we're rolling, we're rolling. We fought all day long. Stay tuned, man. We got something special for y'all today. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. To the 10, right to the 5. Scooting in for the score. Touchdown. Yeah. Yes, welcome in, boys and girls, ladies and gents. It's your Monday edition of the Full 10 Yards podcast as we review week 13 in the National Football League. We are very, very quickly approaching the playoffs as we are now into December. Christmas football right around the corner. I'm not joined by Tim or Lawrence this week. I'm actually delighted to welcome in the newest member to the Full 10 Yards family. And a big hello to you. And how are you, my friend? Very well, yourself. Yeah, excellent, mate. Probably not as well as you are, mate, after your uh, Houston Texans pulled off a big win last night on Sunday Night Football. Yeah, well, I think the, the resulting celebrations has made me unwell, so uh, <laughs> it's a double-edged sword success. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone, really. So. Well, you might not recommend it, but I would certainly take some, but I'm sure we'll get into that as we get through <laughs> the uh, slate of games from this weekend. Uh, felt like a really long weekend in the NFL, as it was obviously Turkey Day over in the States, so that's where we'll start as we get into first down. First down. Okay, Turkey Day football, three games back-to-back on Thursday evening for our viewing pleasure. And it started off with actually a pretty decent game in Detroit as the Chicago Bears come into town and take this one by a score of 24 points to 20. Mitchell Trubisky has actually been improving over the last couple of weeks. He still doesn't fill you with any confidence, but a final stat line of 29 for 38, 338 yards and three touchdowns was enough to get the job done in this one. He did have one absolutely awful scramble where he could have easily got a first down and ended up running backwards, which kind of sums Trubisky up really, full of promise, but often frustrates. Quarterback on the other side of this one, and myself and Lawrence alluded to it, it probably wasn't going to look pretty, but David Blow did indeed get the start, as Jeff Driscoll has actually ended up on IR for the Lions. And to be fair to him, he was very, very good, particularly in the first half. What a way to introduce yourself to the NFL. His first completion went 75 yards from scrimmage to Kenny Golladay, who had a monster first half. He'd had over 100 yards receiving on just three completion, uh, three catches sorry, in that first period. But he, along with the rest of the Lions offense, went a little bit quiet in the second half. And the Bears ultimately managed to take the lead with the three-yard pass to David Montgomery with just a couple of minutes remaining. The Lions did have that ensuing opportunity to try and take this one. However, Blow's day was completed when he was intercepted by Eddie Jackson to seal a win for the Bears. It probably just about keeps Chicago alive in any sort of playoff contention, but it's certainly a long way back as we will get to as we get towards the end of the podcast. But, you know, for now, they're at least still alive. You certainly can't say that about the Detroit Lions. Did you catch any of this one on Thursday, Ewan? I did. I watched. Uh, well, I watched uh, the first two live, and uh, Blow. I thought he did really well. I thought Blow did really well. Uh, he's he came in. Um, it's it's difficult to do that on a short week on a Thursday game, and uh, yeah, they looked well. I think it it was it was all by the the game was really swung by that the the sort of selfish play of the the running back rather than getting the one yard to. To take the lead, he tries to go around the outside. Corner, cornerback brings him down, and it's uh, he kept the field goal, and that's in, ultimately ended up what cost them. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a, it wasn't the best game, but 
uh, certainly, you know, I thought the Detroit team did pretty well considering they're, they're losing Stafford. Um, I mean, not that uh, not that Trubisky's up to much. I don't think. I think that's been a, a bit of a fail. Really, I think I think Matt Nagy deserves to pick his own his own man and get another another go at it. Really. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do come draft day. Um, obviously, like you say, the Trubisky experiment not really paying out as they would have hoped. Um, an experiment that is paying out quite nicely, though, at the moment is the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen, who continues to look very, very good over the past few weeks. He goes into Jerryland here and puts up an excellent performance, completing 19 of his 24 pass attempts for 231 yards. And as Josh Allen does, he also added a few rush yards on the ground, 43 to be precise. And he again found the end zone. Huge revenge game here for Cole Beasley, who had six receptions, 110 yards and a touchdown. So he would have very much enjoyed that one, having played so long for the Cowboys. Uh, Cowboys ultimately in this one jumped out to a 7 nothing lead and then ultimately just gave up 26 unanswered points. And Dallas got away predominantly from the running game, which was working well early on. A lot's been made about Zeke not having a 100-yard rushing game um, for four straight weeks now. But he was actually on pace to have completely eclipsed that. The first half, I think he'd had about 58 yards in his first six or seven carries of the ball. Um, but ultimately only ended up with actual 12 rushing attempts on the game as the Cowboys completely got away from what was working. Dak continues to look good through the air, 355 yards in this one, um, but certainly not enough to get the job done. Seen to almost be force-feeding the ball Amari Cooper's way after he was held catchless the previous week against the Patriots. He was targeted 11 times. And you, you really have to start questioning the legitimacy of the Cowboys. I think early season, they looked really strong. I think, Tim, you've got to take some blame here, mate. It all went downhill after you recorded your... Kellen Moore song, uh, which obviously hasn't yet quite gone viral, um, but um, certainly not looking good. The only consolation for the Cowboys here is the NFC East looks like probably the worst division in football. So despite them, you know, now reaching a less than stellar, even six and six record, they still actually lead the division at this stage. You said you watched this one, Ewan, as well. What was your thoughts on the, the Bills and Cowboys? I think it's as expected, isn't it? I think the Cowboys are, you know, they beat terrible teams at the start of the season, went three and zero, and everybody, as as they often do, um, get you know get overpraised when they do well, just like the New York teams, and then get you know absolutely slaughtered when they don't do well. I think Dak is who he is. He's not a forty million dollar a year quarterback, and he shows that you know every week. Um, he does have some good games, yeah, absolutely. But I think I watched him live a couple of years ago, and. He uh, he didn't impress me at all. Um, so when he, you see some of these numbers going around, he um, he's he showed he's not played to the level of what, you know what he's asking them to invest in. I think potentially he's going to get franchise tagged. Um, will the coach be there? I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think look, there's Josh Allen and that Buffalo team have found a level of maturity. I think in their play, um, that defense is you know got some serious. Players at all three levels. I think Trey White is just a phenomenal corner. Yeah. Uh, you know, right up. You know, right up the right up the, the spine of the team is of their defense is really strong. So, you know, they'll hold teams to not many points, and they just seem to be developing quite nicely in offense to to be able to beat teams. And they, you know, it was it was the, the second half was a bit of a cakewalk, really. Uh, and it, it looked like 
the Garrett. That might have been the, the uh, Jason Garrett's final nail in his coffin. They won't sack him mid-season. I think he'll, they'll give him the dignity to see it out, uh, regardless of what they're doing. Look, as you said, they might get the playoffs when they're sitting at 500, but uh, it wasn't a great day uh, for them. Good trick play kind of sprung the, sprung the game open a bit. Uh, yeah, I think it is what it is. You've got a team that's growing and building, um, and you've got a team who is good on defence, uh, has some pieces on offence, but um, you know, got a great line. But for whatever reason, they can't put it together. Yep, does look like another season of underachievement for a team that's only got the pieces. I think Jerry's comments last week were pretty much a nail in the coffin for Jason Garrett, and possibly only a Super Bowl win from here will save him, and that looks a long, long way away from happening. Let's be honest. Uh, final game of Turkey Day for any of you hardcore fans that stayed up to watch it. Saints and Falcons. A final in this one of 26-18 to the Saints. But don't let that margin fill you. This was quite comfortable for the Saints. Nine Falcons points actually come here in garbage time with a couple of onside kicks recovered, which seems to have been a bit of a theme this week in the NFL. Um, but they did make it a little bit close on the scoreboard. Uh, Taysom Hill, remember him? The guy that we all thought was going to be the Swiss Army knife in the offence. He kind of went quiet for a few weeks when Teddy Bridgewater was forced into action. Now Drew Brees is back and there are three legitimate quarterbacks on the roster. Taysom Hill getting involved in the offence again here. He got uh, both touchdowns here for the Saints, one receiving and one rushing. As Sean Payton continues to show some creative genius in his game planning. It's actually a game that if you looked at the box score and you looked at the statistics, Atlanta dominate this one. Uh, but the one that they dominate, which they don't want to, of course, is that turnover battle. And three turnovers by Matt Ryan proved to be the difference in this one. Two interceptions and a fumble. And I've got to say, one of the highlights of the week was the stiff arm that the Saints defensive lineman put on Matt Ryan. He was not going to uh, chase him back much longer than uh, than he did once uh, the big defensive lineman got his hands up at him. Comfortable win for the Saints. And believe it or not, even at the end of November, as it was, the Saints clinched the division with this one. That's your Turkey Day review. So let's move into Sunday and quite possibly, quite possibly a Super Bowl preview. As you and I'm going to come to yourself, mate, for the San Francisco 49ers at the Baltimore Ravens. It certainly wasn't one. Uh, it certainly wasn't one for the, uh, if you like, passing offense. It wasn't for you, that's for sure. Um, it was it was an interesting game of a unique offense that's continuing to grow under Lamar Jackson. He's got an absolute unrivaled acceleration um, to glide away from on players. Uh, he did something this week that, that he hasn't done all season, and that was fumble the ball. Uh, it, it, the 49ers front seven is you know is the best, if not certainly the best on paper uh, in the league, and it was a big challenge for the game. It, two teams that have scored points at will and held under. 21 points apiece. Uh, the Ravens managed to win it uh, with a, a last-minute field goal, field goal uh, from Tucker. He's, you know, perhaps the best best kicker in the league. Uh, continues to be to find ways to, to, you know, to win them games when when they set it up. I think the biggest the biggest thing that turned the game. I thought the second half was the the Niners went for it on fourth and one twice, uh, but they did it. They took two timeouts in the process to do that. And then when you, when you take away your ability to stop the clock against a team who is immense at killing the clock, that was really the difference. So it, it was kind of the hidden plays that you maybe not didn't see in the, or, the, or the, the hidden moments that you might not have seen in the highlight package that, that decided this one, really. Um, I think you know, 
Debo Samuel is an immense talent. Uh, I loved him when he was coming out of South Carolina. He looks like a real player. Um, his first touchdown, I think, was pass interference on Marcus Peters, but let's be honest, just that and a catch, you know, I don't think the referees are ever going to work out what that exactly is. Uh, Mozart, you know, led led the team uh, with, with a rush at 146 yards of San Francisco. Um, actually outrushed any um, Ravens player, which was rare uh, for the season. This was the number one, number two uh, Russian, Russian teams coming into this, uh, and it was a rush fest, really. Um, 38 rushes for Baltimore on the ground, only yielded 178 yards. Uh, but it was it was the the continual continual uh, you know selective passing game from both teams. I think because ultimately you could argue that the passing attack of both teams is probably you know up there with the top three weaknesses of the team. But they're both you know excellent on the ground. So I think if this is to be a Super Bowl preview, uh, it probably won't be one for the neutral. Um, but it was a, it was it was a good game. Uh, the Ravens are now AFC. Number one uh, seed uh, as as we as we go into the final four games of the season. So, yeah, you know both teams looking strong. It could have easily gone either way uh, this game, but the last minute field goal uh, as the as the Ravens just marched the field the ball down the field one more time, and uh, Tucker kicked it through the uprights and they win by 20, 20 to seventeen. Yeah, it's a game that actually told me a lot, I think, about both of these sides. I, I should have called it on the pod on Thursday with Lawrence that I felt that it could have been either a, a tight San Francisco win or a blowout win for the Ravens. And, and to be honest, it, it obviously ended up as neither of those. I think the, the, the continued excellent play of the front seven of the San Francisco 49ers week after week after week. And let's face it, this is going to be the biggest challenge that they're going to come across all season. As you said, this is the team that leads the league in rushing. Um, and they, you know, they did a pretty good job. Uh, Lamar Jackson ends up with 101 rushing yards in this one. He only ended up with 105 yards passing. And I'm still convinced that if, you know, you force Lamar Jackson to throw the ball, um, that's where you're going to have more and more success. You know, yes, he's been stellar, but more, most of the time his highlight plays is when he's got, you know, bags of time in the pocket. Um, you know, if you can keep him contained and make sure that he has to throw from there, um, then I think, you know, teams are going to have a chance against the Ravens. In terms of the 49ers, just a, you know, again, huge bit of credit, I think, to, to Carl Shanahan that, you know, when a guy like Raheem Moster, who, you know, let's face it, has bounced around the league, ends up with 146 yards on the ground. I think that speaks volumes to the scheme in which Shanahan deploys there. You know, I think even I could probably get a few rush yards, although I wouldn't be running away from anybody very quickly. Um, It's a phenomenal scheme and he always gets production. So two excellent sides. I wouldn't be surprised to see them in the shake-up as we get down towards the back end of the playoff stretch. Uh, both teams now obviously with the same record at 10-2. and two. Um, It'll be interesting to see how it plays out towards the end of the season. Uh, it, was team... odd, it was an odd one, wasn't it? I think because if, if you think that the, 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 the 49ers needed to win more than the Ravens in terms of where, where they need to end up at the season. So it was a bigger loss for them, I think, than, 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 uh, than a Baltimore win. Yeah, quite possibly. Quite possibly. I think, like you say, the the NFC is certainly more loaded um, in terms of, you know, the the battle, if you like, for that number one seed. There's obviously a big Monday night football game that will have an influence on that. Um, So we shall wait and see. Um, A team that's probably taken care of business in their own division is the Chiefs, who easily dispose of the Oakland Raiders in the 9-25 Sky game. Uh, An absolute blowout in this one by a score of 40 points to nine. Even a little bit of gloss at the end as a, a sort of um, 
extra point Troy is actually returned by the Chiefs for an additional two points. Um, and again, you know, good sides, they don't commit turnovers, they don't commit penalties. And this game, Oakland, three turnovers, including one pick six. Kansas City didn't turn the ball over. Oakland, 12 penalties for 99 yards. Kansas City, not penalised once. And unfortunately, when you've got the discrepancy in talent between the two sides as well, that is going to lead to what happened here, and that is a blowout. Patrick Mahomes didn't even really need a big day. Um, he just had 175 yards passing, only completed literally just over 50% of his passes. But it was pretty much um, done on the ground in this one. He found the end zone personally, as well as rushing scores for Shady McCoy and Darwin Thompson, as the Chiefs had the luxury, if you like, of actually getting some rotational guys into the action, as this one was won very early on. In terms of the Raiders, you've got to be honest, it, it's not looking pretty. They they look really good a couple of weeks back, and it's amazing how quickly things turn around in the NFL. The only bright sparks, Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs, you know, once again sort of leading the team from a rushing and receiving perspective, both over 100 yards respectively. But there's not really a fat lot else outside of those two. Um, and for the Chiefs, you know, this is the kind of win that you were sort of accustomed to seeing them putting on the board last year. These were the kind of numbers that were routinely going up, and it feels like it's been a few weeks since we've had one of these type of results. Um, you know, great to see the Chiefs back, um, you know, with a big win, because I think they are a team that will cause some of the big guns in the AFC problems as we get to January. The Raiders certainly not dead in terms of wildcard aspirations, and we'll talk about where that all shakes out later on. Um, but like I say, I think anybody would be hard pushed to make a convincing case for them over the last few weeks. You know, we've talked about their negative point differential, be despite a winning record, losing by 31 here is not going to help that. Um, you know, they really are feast or famine, and in this one for them, it was famine, and it was the Chiefs who uh, come away with a big victory. Yeah, I think Oakland are just a young, a young team, and I think Gruden's done a really good job at getting that team in a position that they got to. But it looks like the last couple of weeks they've just run out of steam. I think you, you get a lot of young players taking a lot of snaps, uh, and they're all gonna, you know, they all hit the rookie, the proverbial rookie wall. And it looks like the team as a whole's at that, and I think you could potentially see them fade out in the next, in the next three or four weeks. You could well do, mate. You could well do. Um... A team that hopefully, for your sake, won't be fading anywhere. Houston Texans are going to hand it over to you, mate. It is only fitting your first podcast comes after you knock off the New England Patriots. So take me through it. Well, we haven't beat them since 2011, and uh, it was it was uh, it was it was it was a funny game, I think, because I've never seen Brady that visibly frustrated on the sidelines, and of all the outcomes that that you know you potentially could have permeated I didn't have the Texans defense having that sort of impact on Brady now they've had a lot of turnover on their line and a lot of turnover at the skill positions and they're struggling to find consistency and they've not really got an identity I think Belichick is famous for saying you know what your team is after Thanksgiving uh, they had a 10 and 1 record they've come into or 10 and 2 record they've come into this now uh, with a soft schedule and they look like a team that's not really been tested because the Texans slapped them around big time. And uh, it was great to see, to be honest, because, you know, I think a lot of people as a neutral potentially has, you know, had their fair share of watching uh, New England uh, and, uh, you know, dominate the, the, uh, the headlines. And, you know, look, 
they might well come back and put a run together at the four, final four games, and uh, you know they'll be there, there, thereabouts. They always, they always find a way to to do it in big games. But it was a, it was a signature win for Bill O'Brien. His first time he's been able to defeat the master, uh, Bill Belichick, uh, and uh, they hadn't conceded four touchdowns all season. And Watson stuck up four last night. Well, three touchdowns and a catch, um, and a trick play, which was good to. Be able to out trick the tricksters. Uh, I thought that was that was particularly satisfying, and uh, yeah, I mean, Texas didn't run the ball very well. Uh, uh, New England did. Um, it didn't seem to have a huge amount of urgency down the stretch, but you know, the the lead just grew and grew uh, throughout. I think what summed up the game for me was Will Fuller back in the end zone uh, missed, well, or didn't was a judge not to have cat, caught the ball uh, despite you know quite clearly catching it. Um, and uh, and then we just went right back at them again and Kenny Stills got a touchdown in the next play so I think that just kind of showed you the mood that this offence were in Duke Johnson's just an absolute phenomenal pick up for the team uh, 90 yards 36 through uh, on the ground and 54 in the run and it was it was uh, it was a great it was a great um it was a great out, and really, a, a, people have sort of said it's Brady done. I think he's he's still he's still there, but there was a lot of passes that you saw that just didn't quite have enough zip on them to do what he was trying to do. So, you know, it, it's the clock is slowly ticking on him, but he's still got a lot of good football left in him. But the Texas secondary was the big surprise. We picked up, uh, you know, a lot of good players in there. Uh, you know, through the season, Vernon Hargreaves was dispelled by Tampa Bay. I thought he had a good game, uh, and he's he's he's, he's coming to play the nickel for the Texans and he's looked really good so um, Jacob Martin uh, came over in the clowny trade uh, got a sack and a half he's been threatened to do that the Texans really dominated the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball and that was a big one and look I think Deshaun is, is uh, he's, he's, a, he's a supreme talent he does not get anywhere near the respect he deserves in the league um, you know we had uh, Baker Mayfield ranked above him in the top 100 last year, and I think you know this season and the way he played last night and some you know he's taken some steps back, but it was a big step forward you know for the franchise as a whole. So great to see it. I think they've probably made too many mistakes earlier in the season to um, to be in a chance with the one or two seed. Um, so it's a difficult one. Um, so it's a great victory, but it doesn't mean a huge amount other than just keeping ahead in the AFC South. No, absolutely. It's where you want to be, though, mate. And um, I think, you know, just a couple of things for me on that game. I think in terms of Brady, I, I think, you know, Tom Brady's probably very low down the list of New England concerns heading towards the postseason. He will find a way to get it done. Um, but outside of James White and Julian Edelman, let's face it, you know, he's not got an awful lot to play with at the moment. Um, Mohamed Sanu continues to just look like a complete waste of a trade. Three receptions for 14 yards in this one. I think he's averaging something stupid like four yards a catch since he's gone to New England. So that's certainly not working out. In terms of the Texans, completely agree with what you said about Duke Johnson. I had the pleasure of watching him for a number of years. Very underrated player. Um, just gets his head down and gets his job done. Um, you know, he's always productive when he runs the ball as well. People often think that he just catches the ball. He's actually very good on the ground. Um, and like you said, you know, an average, only four yards of carry, but um, like I say, for a guy that you think is a receiving back, you know, you get some good production out of him. Um, and in terms of Deshaun Watson, I'm obviously a Browns fan. I, I would have personally loved to have had Deshaun Watson the year before we had Baker Mayfield. Uh, I'm still quite frustrated that they passed that opportunity up. 
I know that people will tell me about analytics tells you to do this, that and the other. Well, I'm sorry, Deshaun Watson is just a born winner. He's got a winning record. And that's now dig on Baker Mayfield. I think he will be ultimately very good. And, you know, ult- you know, I'm, I'm happy with Baker Mayfield. But uh, we could have had Deshaun Watson a year earlier because um, for me he's a special, special talent. And uh, one that will be uh, hopefully good for a long time. That right. Was, that was a that was a steal that trade as well from Sashi Brown. That was a, a gift to the uh, the city of Houston for many years for the price that he gave up that pick. So uh, we thank him for it. Yeah. Well, I, I don't thank Sashi for a lot, but other Browns fans think he's a god. We'll just leave that there because that's a whole pod all on its own. <laughs> right. Let's move over there, mate, to second down and get through the rest of Sunday slate. Second down. Okay, quick fire for second down. Going to whiz you through these, and I'm going to start us off with a few games back-to-back. So the Tampa Bay Buccaneers find a winning streak. They put a couple of games together. They take care of the Jacksonville Jaguars by a final score of 28-11. to And it was all about a dominant first half here as the Tampa Bay Bucs jump out to a massive lead aided by the fact that Nick Foles couldn't find a way to get the Jags moving and ultimately turn the ball over on three consecutive drives. Breaking news as we're recording the podcast tonight is that the moustache is back and Gardner Minshew will start next week after coming off the bench at half-time. Uh, in this one, the final 28-11. to 11, Actually, it was 11-3 to the Jags in the second half, so Minshew might take half a victory for that one. Um, Packers against Giants. I fell into the trap of thinking this would be terrible conditions and Aaron Rodgers wouldn't have a particularly good day and that he would lean heavily on the run game. That didn't actually transpire. Aaron Rodgers was very efficient in this one. 243 yards passing as the Green Bay Packers easily take care of business here by a score of 31-13. to The Giants just continue to lose and lose and lose. And more worryingly, I would suggest for Pat Shermer, isn't so much the fact that the team continue to lose. If you look at the stands, that MetLife Stadium is only half full. And when an owner can see a half-full stadium, that generally means that somebody will be being moved on in the off-season. And I don't think Pat Shermer's doing enough to convince anybody that he is the answer in New York. The other New York team um, who were on a bit of a hot streak and looking good, the New York Jets. And as usual with the Jets, just when they've roped you in and you think they've turned a bit of a corner, they lay a great big goose egg. And... The Cincinnati Bengals, congratulations. They are off the mark and running. They've got their first win of the season. They will not be finishing 0-16 as Andy Dalton returns from the bench to lead them to a 22 points to 6 victory. Uh, One of the hottest teams in the NFL right now. And Lawrence, just for you, my friend, I'm going to queue it up. Here it comes. Those Redskins are looking good. 29-21, to 21, they defeat the Carolina Panthers in a game that um, Carolina threatened to come back right at the end, got it down to pretty much within two or three yards of the end zone. But Kyle Allen, for some reason, after having a relatively decent enough game, decided on a fourth down play to actually backpedal about 30 yards and ultimately throw a ball into the turf as the Redskins hold on for a big victory. Um, Lawrence, I know you are very keen for me to point out that that means the Redskins are the only NFC team to NFC East team to win for two consecutive weeks now. And your faint hopes of a division title still do exist somewhere. 
Ewan, I'm going to chuck it over to you, my friend. I know you're going to whiz us through another three or four games. Yeah, the best game I watched was the uh, the Dolphins uh, victory against the Eagles, 37 to 31. Um, you know, Philadelphia looked like they were primed for a run at the uh, at the Super Bowl again, but this is their second year of underachievement after winning the winning it, um, you know, three years ago. So. Yeah, it was it was a great game. The Fitz Magic was alive and well. He managed to wake up former first round pick Devante Parker uh, into life. A number of uh, great catches, an unbelievable fade uh, at the back of the end zone, uh, caught between uh, two corners. So it was uh, it was a really good uh, game end to end. Ultimately, Carson Wentz just seems to have not been able to find the form that he has done. He's, he looks like he's forcing it a bit. Um, both quarterbacks had three touchdowns and interception on the day. And uh, uh, it was it was Fitzpatrick who was the who was the more accurate of the two. Um, it was you know it was purely a passing attack that they managed to put forward. Uh, Devante Parker uh, two touchdowns. Mike Gesicki looks like he's woken up to his first round billing at tight end, the former Penn State man. So uh, it it was a really good game. Multiple two point attempts, um, <clears throat> field goals, a lot, um, and uh, the. They lose the on. It comes down to an onside kick, and then a hail mary at the end, which is picked by, um, picked by the Dolphins, and uh, and a team that was uh, was trying to tank has now got another win. So that 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 was uh, that was that one. Watching the Rams, I think that the uh, against the Cards, um, a thirty four to seven blowout. I think the the, uh, the the new school and the new the new uh, thought thought of uh, of this young offensive minded coach or somehow a, a failed college coach got a got a big uh, a big a big gig in, of one of the only 32 jobs that are out there. And uh, and they don't really seem to have, uh, have made much progress. I think, again, it's a young team, a lot lacking talent. The Rams were due a game. I think they can't continue to play as badly as they have done with the talent they've got They've got there. Uh, Goff looks like he's found a bit of a groove. Uh, Robert Woods, uh, Cooper Cup, uh, all had big games in this one. And uh, they, they, just, they just dominated the... Uh, Dominated the the, uh, the cards from start to finish. Wade Phillips called a great game and uh, and and made made light work of uh, of that spread style system. Uh, and they didn't really get a chance to get running all day. They only got a late score at the end with uh, a Kyler Murray scramble. But he took a lot of pounding in this one. Um, so they're going to have to protect that first overall pick if they want him to want him to be able to do to do well. But um, it was it was an easy one there in Arizona, and then the uh, the Chargers uh, lose on the road. They seem I think the Chargers find many ways to lose games, and this was just another in a long list of that. Uh, Denver uh, starting uh, quarterback Drew Locke for the first time came off IR. The second round pick in this year's draft was came out uh, came out firing at the start, two touchdowns to. To Cortland Sutton, uh, the former SMU Mustang, looks like a real kind of a real player for them, uh, and it almost looks like the last couple of drafts, believe it or not. Um, John Elway's pieced together some talent. Dream on, Dream on Jones uh, from Ohio State interception in this game as well, and uh, there was there was some impact. They were without uh, Von Miller and uh, Jawan James, the highly prized free agent right tackle, and this one. So they're a bit underhand, but they, they managed to uh, you know in, in the Mile High Stadium to. Uh, to, to kick a couple of field goals and uh, a soft PI call, I thought, um, after an unbelievable catch from Mike Williams set up a field goal to, to draw level um, at 20 all, And then uh, it was a, a soft PI call. He didn't quite turn his head round. Um, Locke's thrown it in and uh, with a couple of seconds to go and they kicked the field goal and that one's in the books, 23 to 20. 
Yeah, like you said, the Chargers continue to find a way to lose close games. I think all their defeats have now come by less than seven or eight points, I believe I'm right in saying. Um, the two games from Sunday that had playoff implications for both of the sides entering them, I'll start us off with the Browns and Steelers. Uh, good job we're recording this on a Monday night and not at around about half nine on a Sunday because I wasn't a happy boy yesterday, it's got to be said. Um the, the Browns actually start this one off pretty well, jump out to a 10 nothing lead and things looking fairly rosy in the garden. Pittsburgh getting nothing done. We're actually held to just seven yards in the first quarter. And then for some reason, um, the Browns' defence just does not defend the deep ball well. And Duck Hodges, to be fair to him, took a couple of shots down the field. And James Washington had probably the best game of his career. Um, caught two exceptional passes on one drive to close out the first half, um, including one where he had a cornerback draped all over him. Pass interference was going to be called. Uh, however, concentration continued through the process, caught the ball, and despite the safety also coming over the top to, to sort of apply a hit, um, he was still able to make sure the ball didn't hit the ground. So a phenomenal catch from Washington. And that brought the Steelers right back into it at 10 all. Um, Essentially, I thought at the end of the half, particularly then on the ensuing kickoff when the Browns don't get it out past the 10-yard line, all common sense would say they're just going to take a knee here, you know, 50 seconds to go, 90-odd yards to march, nothing good is going to happen, is it? Lo and behold, Freddie comes out throwing the ball and Baker Mayfield gets hit on the hand at um, the point of release. Um, his hand collides with the helmet of one of the Steelers' defensive linemen. And ultimately, that led to Baker actually taking a couple of plays off at the end of the half. Various different reports that he had an injection. Some people say he's actually got more damage in the hand than he's been alluded to. But it certainly wasn't good. Um, he came out for the second half wearing a glove. Um, but Pittsburgh continued to dominate. They stretched the lead out to 20 points to 10. Um, and despite Cleveland getting a field goal to bring it back to some relevancy, and then on the ensuing drive, picking off the Steelers and moving the ball to their 30-yard line, the offence continued to then just hit neutral or reverse. They didn't run the ball at all on that drive and actually ended up with minus eight yards on a sack. So despite starting a drive at the Pittsburgh 30, they didn't even come away with any points. And it's just been typical, really, of the Browns all year. They've been in positions where they you know, should have kicked on and, and won games. And they've essentially just abandoned game plans throughout, you know, six rushing attempts in the second half for a team that has got both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, who had both rushed for around about 45 yards on 10 carries apiece in the first half. And it just gets completely abandoned in the second. It's beyond ridiculous. And I will be amazed if the head coach lasts into next season. In terms of Pittsburgh, to be fair to them, you have to say that despite a 3-0 and start and losing Ben Roethlisberger, you would have just assumed that that was it. The season was done. And Mike Tomlin has got to be, to be fair to him, I would suggest in with an opportunity of coach of the year reckoning. Because if you look at the the job that he has done with that roster, you know, again in this one, without Juju Smith-Schuster, without James Connor, obviously their third choice. Um, quarterback, you could argue he's probably moved himself up the depth chart now, but certainly at the start of the year, the third choice quarterback on that roster, and they, you know, have now won six of their last seven. A phenomenal turnaround. 
they're just a, a franchise and an organisation that is used to winning. They do it routinely, week in and week out. That's a place that the Browns are striving to get to. But they come up short in this one, and I would suggest that probably puts a fork in them for the remainder of the season. It would take a pretty minor miracle, I would suggest, for them to get into the playoff reckoning now. Uh, last game of the weekend that we're going to round you off with was in the AFC South, and this has been a division that's gone backwards and forwards all year. So whenever there's a divisional matchup, it's a big one, and the Titans and the Colts got it on, mate. It was an odd one. It wasn't a 31-17 game, I don't think. I think that flattered Tennessee. Uh, they moved to seven and five in second. Colts dropped to the third place, six and six, and. It was it was a game swung by a number a number of, couple of plays you know just as many are um, and again it was it was the kicking of Vinatieri was was the, the big one he gets a, a, a an attempt blocked and uh, Krukshank blocks it and uh, and they take it back to the house and that swung the game open uh, at a time where Brissett threw a terrible floater off his back foot right into the safety's hands and. It, it was difficult for them to, to get back into the game. And I think that when you have to rely on Jacoby Brissett to throw the ball, it's gonna it's not going to end well for the Colts, I think. And that's a problem. They've got a really good, solid young team. And a bad loss for them at, at, at this stage, um, just to, to, to give them a worse record or a div- divisional head-to-head record. Because, as you said, the division's that tight. The, the head-to-head's going to come down to it, I think. Um, when it's all said and done in another in another four weeks, uh, and then Brissett threw another pick after that after that um, blocked blocked field goal that went went for seven, and uh, it was it was a it was a strange game I think in many ways and I think Tannehill just seems seems to have given the Titans a a boost. I mean I think we've we've seen enough of them to know where it all will end up, but certainly there's you know and I think Titans fans are quite bullish about the chances. And rightly so, they've, they've played well. I think they've got a really good, you know, front seven. Um, there's a lot of high high draft picks in there. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons is coming, looks like a good player. Um, they lost a couple of guys during the week. Um, Cameron Wakes, you know, looking like he'll going to miss a bit of time. Uh, but yeah, it was it was uh, it, it, it it was a, a game that, that that could have quite easily gone either way. A lot of sacks. Uh, Colts had five sacks in the first half, and then they, they just made the Tennessee Titans just made less mistakes uh, as the game went on, and uh, and then a couple of things went their way. Indy chases the game, and uh, and the best pass of the day actually Ryan Tannehill to uh, Khalif Ray- Raymond uh, in the end zone, a name I'd never heard of until Sunday, and uh, yeah, they run out winners, so um, it's going to be an interesting run in the AFC South. The Texans and the Titans play each other twice in the last three weeks of the season, so. Um, I think those two games are certainly going to uh, decide the division. Potentially, it might come down to the last game of the season. Uh, when it takes takes the division game, uh, and, and Tennessee have got a, a reasonable run in as well that they'll fancy their chances. So it's, um, it's it was a good game, and uh, yeah, and Tennessee are in the driving seat uh, to chase the Texans for that number one spot. Difficult to disagree with anything you've said there, mate. Just a little bit of love for Derek Henry. He is a little stick of dynamite, isn't he? He's exploded over the last few weeks, and he is uh, likely to feature in Stats Life, which is where we're heading next for third down. Third down. Stats. Stats. 
Okay, then you and we've liked to do this on a Monday. Get our listeners some statistical goodness from the weekend. And apologies first and foremost to a friend of mine who was very disappointed I didn't sing the entire jingle. Maybe I'll uh, treat you and do a full rendition ready for next week. Um, But I'm going to kick us off this week with Derek Henry. Just alluded to it as you reviewed the Titans getting a big win. Just want to mention his last 16 games, so a full season slate if you like. 1,725 rushing yards, 221 receiving yards, and 20 touchdowns. That is some pretty phenomenal production from a running back that myself and Lawrence discussed last week as one that probably wouldn't cross anybody's list in terms of top five running backs in the league. You get to see him on a fairly regular basis, being in the same division. What's your view of Derrick Henry? A powerful back. Probably not lived up to his. Well, he, I know they took him relatively high, but he's, he's, yeah. I mean, he, he tends to have months where he just goes, uh, goes off, and then he kind of sort of fades a bit. Um, he's a, you know, he's a big physical stature, Heisman winner. So I mean, yeah, he's, he's, he's a good player. He's dangerous, hard to bring down as well. It usually takes one or two to to bring him down. So he certainly has his teams that he likes to play well against, and uh, he can. Uh, he's he's deceptively fast. For a, for a man of that stature. Yeah, don't disagree with any of that, mate. Wow me with some amazement, mate. What's your first one? All right, so uh, starting off with the man of the hour, uh, Deshaun Watson's uh, fourth quarter touchdown catch, uh, which was technically a catch on a shovel pass from DeAndre Hopkins. It was the first time a player has had three touchdowns uh, and, a recept- and a receiving touchdown since Jim McMahon in Week four of the 1985 season in the Super Bowl leader. Yeah, certainly something you don't see every day then, mate. I, I, how did I just know you were going to throw a Texan stat in for your debut podcast? Couldn't resist yourself, could you? Could not resist yourself. Um, let's move on to the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I mentioned it in the write-up that Minshew is back for week 14. And it may well be because Nick Foles is the first quarterback with three giveaways in his first team's first three drives of a game since the Bears did that with Mike Glennon under centre in week two of 2017. I think the more impressive thing about this stat, who were the uh, who were the Bears playing in that week two 2017 game? Also the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So maybe it's just a thing that the Buccaneers like to get some early turnovers and relegate somebody to the bench. Give us your second one, mate. Uh, so I touched on it earlier with the, the Ravens and the 49ers. Um, so the, the, of, the, uh, of, the two, of the mighty 262 yards and two touchdowns through there that both teams have combined, that was the fewest yards uh, where teams have combined for 40-plus passes and two touchdowns and zero interceptions since 2011. Yeah, frightening really though when you think about it, isn't it? Like you say, I think it probably just goes to show how much of a passing game the league has become over the last few years. But yeah, it's, um, like you say, potentially a a Super Bowl preview. Let's hope that there's a few more yards through the air in early February, if that indeed is the case. Uh, Lawrence, I'm going to finish with one for you, my good friend. Darius Geis, I know you love him. Let's give him a little bit of love. He's only the fifth running back with 125 or more yards, two scores and doing so with 10 or fewer carries in a game since at least 1948. There's some names on here that you will not remember, but one name that people will probably remember 
Maurice Jones drew the last player to do so in 2009. So again, not something that happens every day. Big game for Darius Geis as the Redskins absolutely slice apart the Carolina rum defence. Last one for the week, mate. Fire away. Uh, and another blowout victory, but the Rams, it was a fifth straight victory against the Cardinals. Uh, and it's the first time in NFL history where there's been 30 or more points scored by the winning side and conceded 17 or less in every game. I think that's what's classified as having a team's number, my friend. That's what you call a one-sided rivalry. Uh, there's your stats for this week. In terms of stats life, I'm sure there's plenty others that we've missed. Hit us up on Twitter over at Full 10 Yards and share your best ones. We're going to move straight across to fourth down to get you up to speed with the playoff picture. Fourth down. Okay, only four weeks to go, so this is now starting to look interesting. We're going to start over in the NFC this week. That's where we've said it's pretty loaded in terms of talent, and the positionings could well change this evening at the back end of Monday Night Football. But for now, as we are recording this on Monday evening UK time, the 49ers retain the first seed in the NFC with a 10-2 and record closely followed by the Saints with the same record in at the second seed. Third seed currently are the Green Bay Packers, 9-3 and three record for them, and the Cowboys, the fourth seed, at 6-6. Six and six. The two wild cards held currently by the Seahawks in the fifth seed at 9-2. and two. They obviously have the opportunity to jump all the way, I believe, to the one seed tonight. I could be wrong on that, but I certainly think they will leapfrog the 49ers with a win if they can take care of the Vikings on Monday Night Football. And it's the Vikings that are the sixth seed at 8-3 and three currently in their personal ding-dong with the Packers in the NFC North. Um, we said last week it was pretty much a case of which position these teams would finish in. So you and I'm going to chuck it over to yourself just for where you see lying, but just for everyone's reference. The Rams improved to 7-5. and five. They realistically are probably the only other team that could potentially force their way in to a wild card reckoning. The other teams that are still alive obviously will be the teams in the NFC East, and that's the Eagles at five and seven, just one game back on the Cowboys. And Lawrence, you are still officially not eliminated. The Redskins at three and nine still could find a way to get the job done, although that is obviously extremely unlikely. Technically, they are still alive for another week. So, you and interested to get your perspective on this, mate, your first time on the podcast. How do you see things shaping out in the NFC? It's interesting. I think when you've got Green Bay there, when they've got their last four games are Washington, Chicago, at Minnesota and at Detroit. So, you think that's probably going to be three wins for them. So, you kind of look like they're probably going to seal their place, even though I don't think they're as good as their record. I mean, you are what your record says you are, but I think they're... I think they've certainly had um, some fortuitous decisions go their way, uh, and and they're uh, in a in a good position there. But I can see them end ending up with twelve wins, um, and potentially I think they'll probably stay where they are right now in the third spot. Um, interesting to see if uh, the Eagles can formulate anything to catch the Cowboys, and who wins that division will probably be one of the unjust home playoff games in the in the in the wild card. Whoever takes that, so. Um, it'll be, you know, and a good team will ultimately miss out. The Rams potentially are in it, back at seven wins. Um, I've got a chance to do it. I think the Vikings Seahawks tonight will tell you a lot about how it's going to unfold. I mean, the, the Vikings are 5-0 and at home. 
uh, just having an earner at 500 um, on the road. So if they can, they can just potentially pick up some form towards the end. Then I think they've got a good, a good chance. Very strong defense. You know, one of the strongest defenses of the NFC. Uh, and they've got to, you know, apart from the Green Bay game, they've got Detroit as well uh, and Chicago as as part of their, their last four games. So again, you could see them picking up. So tonight will really hinge at the um, if the Seahawks win. You're right; they'll go ahead of the 49ers on head to head. So um, and obviously those two play each other um, in the final week of the season, which could potentially might seal the one seed. I think it will come right down to that uh, because you know I think there's it's top heavy the AFC in ter- or the NFC rather than in the in the and uh, in, in the sort of top six teams are, are markedly better than the than the other than the other compatriots. So the division so it's going to be tight, uh, big time. But I think uh, the 49ers certainly look like they've got a chance. Uh, but I think the the best pure pound for pound teams the Saints. Um, and uh, and they're already through, so they potentially could have some feet up ties uh, uh, if they can secure a top two slot by the end of it and um, and, and rest up before they go to the playoffs. Interesting. Let's move over to the AFC, where we have a new number one seed, the Baltimore Ravens, on this hot winning streak, eight in a row now. They move to ten and two and take over the first seed. Patriots still looking comfortable enough, though, in second seed at ten and two. Um, however, with that being said, nipping away at them is the Buffalo Bills. They're currently in the fifth seed at nine and three, but actually only one game back of the Patriots. Wouldn't that be something if the Bills actually managed to win that AFC East division? Anyway, let's get back to the seedings. The Texans are the third seed at eight and four currently, and the Chiefs with the same eight and four record are the fourth seed. I've already mentioned the Bills as one of the two wildcard positions, the second position being occupied still by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Big win for them this week. They move to 7-5 and five to take the sixth seed as things stand. A lot more teams in the hunt in this one. The, re, the Titans at 7-5, and five, both from a wildcard perspective and divisional perspective, they're still in play. The Raiders at 6-6, six and six, let's face it, not really convincing. I think that record is probably going to slip away. The Colts, 6-6, six and six, they need to bounce back big style after a, a big defeat this weekend. But obviously, because of that division being so tight and everybody playing each other, as you've already alluded to, mate, that could still get interesting. I hate to say that the Browns are still technically involved. I suppose they are at 5-7, and seven, but a lot of things need to happen and go right, which I just cannot see happening. And although the Jags, the Broncos, the Chargers and the Jets technically are all still alive at 4-8, and eight, I am officially sticking a fork in them. They are done. How do you see the AFC shaping out, Ewan? Well, there's, there's two games for the, the Pats that will define it. I think they've got next week against the, uh, against the Chiefs. Um, so that that's potentially you know going to start a a, a knock-on effect in, at the top of the top of the leaderboard really. Um, it's out, it's in Gillette, so you know the uh, the conditions and perhaps the, the zebras will be on their side. So I think they've got, they've got you know I think that potentially could be a win. But um, the, the second or the second last game of the season is against the Bills. So if the Bills keep their form up, they can do. But the Bills have got to go to Baltimore next week. Um, and then they play Pittsburgh and the and the Jets either side of going uh, in New England, so that it could come down to that um, if if the if the um, if if Kansas City win and uh, and and the Bills manage to pick up some form, it might come down to that. But they, I think it's pretty much set, really. Um, I think the Ravens will, will be the number one seed. I think potentially if the if the Patriots slip up, but historically I just think it'd be naive to think they will. So. Um, it'll really be who's who's up for the, the third and fourth seed will be the thing and then who can sneak in the fifth and sixth 
I, I, the Titans probably look the form team. The Steelers are just in that division, so they, 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 they're there by, you know, by, uh, by default in many ways. But the, um, the you know, tra- trailing the Ravens. So yeah, it's going to, I think it's going to be tight. There's, there's a couple, there's a good couple of teams in the hunt. And um, as I said, the, the double header, not to rattle on about the Texans too much, but I think that double header uh, is, is big. Um, and you know, and the Browns, and, okay, the Browns have got to play Cincinnati twice. So, um, so you know, it's it, it's all there for the taking. So, uh, but yeah, I think Ra- I think Ravens won Pats two, and then it'll be you know just a, a, a shift around of, of positions from the, you know the next four teams. I would think. Yeah, it's certainly a lot muddier in the AFC compared to the NFC, but exciting times ahead. December football very much now on the agenda as we get set towards the playoffs in January. Right, my friend, I can see the referees running onto the field. That must mean we've got to get out of here. Time for the two-minute warning. That's the two-minute warning. Okay, two minutes as usual for me just to wrap up and let you know what's going on at full 10 yards. So in terms of your NFL content, obviously we will be back in your ears on Thursday. Don't know what combination of the four of us it will be, but two of us will definitely be here for your listening pleasure. Um, as it's Tuesday, get ready for your takeaways. Lawrence is dishing those up as we speak. They will be winging their way to you in written form. Tuesday, we'll see the college podcast return, hopefully, uh, end of the regular season of college football already. That has flown by, um, so look out for Lee and Maxwell, in all likelihood, back in between your ears tomorrow evening. Fantasy football, get set for the weekend in terms of your start, sits and all that good stuff. Um, any of you playing fantasy football and made the playoffs, you'll want to get your lineups ready. So make sure you give the boys a listen and a follow. Make sure you've got all the information that you need. Quick little plug for us over at NFL Europe Shop. There's currently a 25% sale in time for Christmas. Use our code FULL10 and get yourself an additional 10% off already sale prices. So an excellent little bargain to be had there. I think that just about wraps us up. Busy as always over at Full 10 Yards Towers. And with that being said, Ewan, an absolute pleasure to have you on, mate. I hope you enjoyed your first podcast with us. Very much so. Thanks for having me on. No, absolute pleasure, my friend. Absolute pleasure. So all that's left for me to do is wrap up. So it's goodbye from Ewan. Thank you very much. And it's goodbye from me. In the great words of Kevin Cadle, it's bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards or email the show, full10yards at gmail.com.